0: New episodes are added every weekday in the free Vision Christian Media app. If you don't already have the app on your smartphone or tablet, download it now from vision.org.au slash slash app. Vision. Vision. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision.
1: Of course, last night the Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, delivered the Federal Budget 2019. At a glance, it looks like a budget full of good news, but with a federal election only weeks away, it's a pre-election budget, not designed to bring any pain and full of promises that make life easier for Australians. It looks like good news for middle-income earners, for small businesses, regional Australia, pensioners, apprentices, infrastructure and the environment, but there may be some issues that are important to the coming year that may draw our attention as Christian believers. Uh, Last year, of course, the budget expectations were that the GDP growth would be 3%, but growth has been slower than the forecast. The picture for wages growth in Australia has also been sluggish. Uh, The tax cuts appear like a gap filler in place of the growth of real wages. House prices have been on the way down. And so a softer property market affects everything from investment to household consumption. And then, of course, there are the bigger, wider global issues that are also on the radar. Well, let's talk through some of the issues today. A couple of special guests... Uh, Very shortly, Dr. Rod St. Hill, an economist, is going to be joining us. He's the CEO of Leaders Institute, a government-accredited private higher education provider in Brisbane. He's also Senior Pastor and Director of Ignite Life Business at Ignite Life Church Gold Coast, part of the Australian Christian Churches. And Gavin Martin is joining us. Gavin is the founder and managing director of Cornerstone Wealth, based in Melbourne, and he majors on the principle that a person's true worth is not measured by financial net worth. So, uh, first of all, in our conversation, let me make a special welcome along to Gavin Martin. Gavin, welcome back to 2020.
2: G'day, Neil. Great to be back with you again.
1: Gavin always love your insights when it comes to federal budgets and uh, always special insights and I know that as you you know you have a large family uh, you're also the founder of Cornerstone Wealth you deal with these issues where the rubber hits the road on a day-to-day basis and the sorts of advice that you're giving to clients uh, very important advice uh, so the treasurer has come out and it's uh, you know it's the, that comment we're back in the black uh, first surplus uh, for uh, you know the last uh, uh, the last decade. In fact, I think it's twelve years. Uh, what were your thoughts when the treasurer began to deliver the budget last night?
2: Yeah, it was great to see the back in the black um, mantra. Um, as you said, we haven't seen it in ten years. And the thing that I quite liked as well is that there's also a vision for the next ten years paying off the debt that has been accrued over the last ten years. So. Uh, in the past budgets, the the uh, carrot out in front of us has been, let's get back to surplus. But now I like the idea that they're getting back to paying off the debt in 10 years as well. So um, I thought that was a great, uh, a great sign to start focusing on that.
1: Gavin, first Christian insight of our conversation today, because interesting when you say uh, the plan to pay off the debt, which is a huge debt, And uh, I've even heard some commentary that the debt is not so important. Uh, What are your thoughts? And approaching this as a Christian believer, as someone who's a leader in financial services as a Christian, uh, how do we look at the way that our national debt is so large and uh, the fact that we are at a position where we can begin to pay that down? uh, But what about this idea that some people are saying it's not important to pay down the debt?
2: I think if you tell that to a person who's got a mortgage and I speak to people regularly who have had mortgages and they've paid them off and they um, the feeling of the freedom of having released themselves from that debt that almost a ball and chain, is is phenomenal. Um, people express it to me constantly when, when they achieve that milestone of getting out of debt. And I think it's no different for a nation to actually free themselves as, as well. It puts them in such a strong position. I understand from a financial business perspective, um, you know, using some debt uh, can be of benefit and that uh, for a nation there is an element of that. But if you've got a choice between having no debt or having... Um, uh, a third of a trillion dollars in debt, then uh, obviously no debt is going to be a lot better for a country.
1: And uh, the Treasurer, when he talks about being able to deliver all of these extras uh, because you're in a position when you're in the black, uh, there's obviously some relevance to uh, the capacity that governments have to be able to deliver services if they aren't servicing a huge debt.
2: I think that's key to where we go from here. I know uh, Labor is favourites to uh, win the election, but I think one of the key differences is who's got the policies that will actually enable uh, economic growth uh, to be able to deliver those uh, ongoing services. And My concerns are around the the policies that Labor currently have around capital gains tax increases, negative gearing being largely wiped out, and uh, franking credits, uh, refunds. Uh, being uh, abolished, there, all those happening at a time where, yeah, as you say, property markets has been uh, decreasing, in particularly Melbourne and Sydney, uh, that's my concern. The timing of those policies um, uh, may significantly reduce uh, growth and therefore impact the ability to uh, bank those surpluses that are pro- projected.
1: Let's talk about some of the differences that you've observed between the coalition and Labor. Bill Shorten's calling the budget, uh, and I guess uh, reference to the surplus, uh, a con job. And, uh, you know, there might be some uh, fine detail there we could get into. But you've been looking at some of the differences between coalition and Labor. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on some of those uh, you know, some minor, so not minor, but minute, I think you'd call it, those sort of uh, little issues that are around the edges, those uh, issues that uh, we're all interested in, they affect us. Maybe that didn't even make the, 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 the headlines, but uh, what are your thoughts on the differences?
2: Uh, yeah, key difference in the minute is uh, around financial planning. Uh, the policies that have been announced by Labor uh are all about um, reducing flexibility, increasing complexity, and increasing taxes. So, um, there's contribution limits that are currently 100000 into super, they're going to reduce them to $75,000. Uh, you can currently got the flexibility to make personal deductible contributions, they're going to um, uh, remove those. Um, Their, uh, you know, franking credits, it's um, going to negatively impact some pensioners that really. Significantly impacts those with self-managed super funds and promotes industry super funds. Uh, so significant um, uh, family trusts are going to—they're pr- um, proposing to have a minimum um, tax rate of 30% in family trusts. So uh, that can affect uh, a lot of people. Do giving to church and charitable organisations out of those types of trusts that will negatively impact that level of giving that can be achieved. So the the announcements from Labor pre. Uh, election announcements from Labor are really contractory, um, not stimulatory. And uh, that's my concern at this particular juncture as we um, uh, yeah, have uh, falling property prices, low um, wage growth. Sure, we've got low unemployment, um, but we really need to um, ensure that the Australian issues and global issues don't negatively impact growth over over the next uh, years. In
1: my mind, as I'm hearing you reflect on uh, the issues with taxation, uh, there is a sense, isn't there, that the government has some momentum with it. And, uh, of course, moving into this first surplus for the past dozen years, uh, there's momentum. And so long as everything stays good and there's some level of stability in the global economies, uh, the government will coast forward. And the Labor Party will look like their plans to increase taxes as though that's a dreadful and bad thing. But if the economy doesn't go as well as is forecast, Uh, and the Labor Party is going to look like they're the ones who had the backstop because they're increasing taxes. Any thoughts on just uh, how they might be positioning themselves, different parties, coalition, Labor, uh, when it comes to, you know, one may well look like the hero if things go the opposite way to what they're planning?
2: Yeah, it'll largely depend on who wins the election as to how that will uh, uh, play out. Um, but the yeah, the, I guess the uh, coalition is saying that they're going to continue to manage the economy well. No new taxes was the mantra that was mentioned, I think, four times uh, during the speech last night. Um, and so that's the I guess that's the promise or the uh, f- from the coalition. Uh, Labor are looking at some tax reform, significant tax reform that they believe in. Uh, there was a little bit of a. a Opening of the window with, I think Chris Bowen in an interview I saw last night where he he thought that um, or he suggested that the negative gearing policy of eliminating negative uh, gearing, um, they might be a bit more flexible so that they don't actually um, introduce that whilst uh, property is already under pressure. Uh, Probably prices are already under pressure, uh, and so they might adjust things, push out timing. Um, but yeah, it'll be very, very different approach because it's effectively, I think uh, figures were quoted to be about two hundred billion dollars in new taxes uh, under the uh, under Labor. Ensure they're focused on on reforms, and so they're trying to say that they're not new taxes. But if you pull that out of the uh, economy at a time where um, it can be a little bit tenuous, particularly if commodity prices don't maintain uh, their current levels, uh, it'll be uh, it, it'll be a difficult time for the Labor government to. Um, not be responsible
1: for any downturns. Gavin, let's come back to this idea of increasing taxes on the Labor side, because I have noted over the months in the lead up to this concern that some of the increase of taxes comes from those who are retirees. And there's been concern even in the Christian community about uh, people's capacity to be able to continue perhaps even uh, supporting uh, their church uh, or their favourite charities. Uh, what are your thoughts for uh, the way that there might even be an impact uh, from an increase of taxes to those particular issues?
2: Yeah, it's really significant. I think the franking credit policy is just really poorly framed, um, it, it It impacts yeah pensioners who are uh, self sufficient but I've, we often meet with clients and model um, their financial circumstances and you can look year on year financially, some of them it's going to be you know eight and uh, eight to fourteen fifteen thousand dollars difference that they're going to um, not receive, so the income's going to reduce significantly and we as um, a part of a board of a Christian organization Um, It is the older Australians that do the majority of the heavy lifting with giving to church and charitable organisations, so that will significantly impact charities and church uh, groups uh, if we see the income of that generation uh, reduce significantly. That and then add on top of that the family trust rule change proposals as well. It's a significant impact.
1: Let's talk about some of the effects on families, because uh, clearly uh, families are a big target here, uh, where there's all sorts of generosity and good things being offered uh, for uh, those who are on particular levels of income. Uh, what are the thoughts, uh, sorts of specifics uh, you've come up with, Gavin, as you reflect on uh, the effect on families?
2: Uh, yeah. So the the key one is for uh, um, families, uh, they previously announced the $530 uh, rebate in last year's budget. Now they've more than doubled that to $1,080. So if you're a a couple uh, earning uh, less than $90,000 each, then um, you're likely to get over $2,000 worth of um, tax back, and that's this financial year, so you could be getting that back in this July. Uh, I don't think that's a real difference. I think uh, Labor's already said that they had uh, announced that last year as part of their policy uh, in, in their budget reply speech. I don't think those personal financial tax um, uh, uh, reductions are, are going to be the game-changer. Labor will match them to, to nullify that initiative um, even the business, uh, supporting businesses with an increased um, immediate tax write off from 20000 to $30,000 and increasing it for businesses of $10 million of revenue to $50 million of revenue, um, yeah, that was originally a Labor, a Labor uh, policy introduced. Um, so I think that'll get support as well. Uh, so I think those differences in terms of Labor versus the Coalition are going to be different. They will be significant because if wage growth is around 2% and then you get um, an extra $2,000 tax back. So that is really um, enabling the sort of 4% wage growth effectively when you factor in the tax, um, the tax rebate there. So that's actually good for the economy. And, and whilst wage growth is low, it will uh, compensate with that uh, tax rebate.
0: Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. We're talking through
1: issues from last night's federal budget. Gavin Martin the founder and managing director of Cornerstone Wealth with us through this half hour. Uh, Gavin as you reflect on some of the issues in last night's budget uh, one of the huge uh, outlays over the coming time is going to be uh, these increases and focus on infrastructure. Uh, What were your thoughts about the Treasurer's uh, infrastructure spending promises?
2: Yeah I think the Infrastructure spending is is only a good thing it's, it creates uh, efficiencies and there 's a return on it we 've got a low interest rate environment, so the um, the cost of investing in that uh, can be relatively uh, low. I think that 's really good and in particular it'll be an important uh, part of uh, stimulating the economy where it could be a little bit fragile over the over the coming years and so uh, as um, anecdotally we 're seeing um, housing uh, reducing in terms of housing construction and the infrastructure around the both state and federal level has really uh, mitigated the reduction in the uh, housing construction uh, and so to announce that uh, continual investment in infrastructure is a, a really good sign and uh, yeah, if, if um, the projects are, are well um, targeted uh, I think there'll be a great outcome.
1: There did seem to be a very large focus on transport infrastructure and uh, you're in Melbourne we're talking to you from Melbourne today uh, even the rail line between Melbourne and Geelong uh, there's all sorts of programs like that designed in some sense to try and decentralize uh, some of our cities I mean some of these road projects are in various states around the nation uh, what are your thoughts for the way that the government is moving to this sort of idea of decentralizing and also just making it easier trying to unclog our roads
2: I think it's a a great idea, but the implementation is always a little bit of a challenge. I was interested to see that the uh, Victorian infrastructure had its own line in the budget papers and the major initiatives. I think that is partly because uh, the uh, coalition is probably behind the polls in in Victoria in particular and has had a bit of friction between the state government in Victoria and and not... um, uh, Providing the uh, infrastructure um, uh, dollars that, uh, that they could have. that held back, in particular, three billion for a, an east west link. And uh, I think, you know, particularly focusing on Victorian infrastructure is important uh, politically. Yeah, whether they'll actually achieve the outcomes that uh, invested previously in regional rail links and to uh, increase the speed of trains um, with very minor. Um, uh, time improvements so it actually can deliver on the time and efficiency in improvements with these very fast trains It's a great uh, but it hasn't been what's happened in the past.
1: Uh, so much ground to cover let me ask you another issue that affects churches I'm not sure you're across the detail here but uh, part of the budget I don't think that was actually in too much of the broadcast more of a fine print thing but uh, religious schools and places of worship uh, being offered an extra uh, $55 million in grants uh, to boost security after the Christchurch mosque uh, massacre. Uh, what were your thoughts, uh, or do you have some thoughts around that, uh, that, uh, that the government is interested in security around churches? And uh, I guess that says something deeper about what we might be heading for.
2: It does. Um, I guess it uh, gives an indication of the... Uh uh, environment at the moment, um, I, I guess it 's a relatively small spend uh, and probably in response to the um, the terrorist attack in Christchurch um, but uh, yeah i haven 't got a lot to comment about but it, but just a, I guess it 's a sad state of affairs where that 's where we need to spend some of the uh, the, the government 's money in, in those sort of areas.
1: Okay, there's some other issues too. What about uh, welfare recipients? And the government's got this initiative uh, that they can save a lot of money uh, by having welfare recipients report their income each fortnight and uh, connecting that with the Department of Human Services and being able to check up on what people earn uh, with the idea that they're not doing overpayments. Uh, What are your thoughts? Is this a good move or is this an intrusive move? What are your thoughts, Gavin? Gavin?
2: I think uh, logically it's a great move. Uh, So rather than reporting fortnightly your income that you've earned, uh, there's going to be what they call um, a single-touch payroll where employers need to report what they've paid their employers on a regular basis and that will flow through to the social security system. So it eliminates the need to uh, report. I'm not sure how they are going to deal with business income, but that would be a different challenge. But... Yeah, I don't understand how they're going to save two billion over the over the I think the five year estimated period uh, just by eliminating the need to report. But uh, if it works, um, it's great. Uh, but I just don't I haven't heard the detail of how they expect to um, eliminate uh, two billion dollars in cost by by implementing that program. Uh, It
1: might appear that, you know, if you're reading between the lines, that there's a huge lot of overpayments happening in the welfare system, and I I imagine that's part of a bigger reform agenda that the government might have, but of course uh, saving money and adding to the budget bottom line, uh, that's an area that they're targeting, and and, uh, you know, some people would say, well, you know, don't take the big stick to welfare recipients. Uh, others will say, no, you need to keep welfare recipients honest as well. Uh, what are your thoughts there? I mean, uh, people, uh, what they, um, you know, what they might perceive out of that?
2: Yeah, I don't think it's really targeting welfare effic- uh, recipients. I think it's more about efficiencies. Um, why get everybody to report and, um, you know, forget to report on the right days and etc. when you can... Um, have it efficiently run um, via electronic means i don 't think it's really targeting those at the um, on welfare. I think it's just making the system more efficient
1: let's move on let's talk uh, small and medium-sized businesses gavin and uh, this is an area too you're advising people business owners uh, the government's increasing its instant asset write-off threshold uh, up to thirty thousand dollars per assets and the size of the business that can claim that now has increased uh, what's that likely to do for businesses in australia
2: yeah the important thing is that it's not a free it's not a free kick it's really the you still have to spend the money. The benefit is that you get to write it off in a single year, so it's not um a capital item that then needs to be uh depreciated over years so I encourage businesses that um particularly small businesses, whether it's a plumbing business not to get sucked into it and spend money that they don't really need to spend uh, because uh, you still have to spend the money. you could actually take the money as profit and pay off a mortgage or you could spend it on a vehicle or, or something along along those lines um, yeah so don 't get drawn into the false economy that it is actually saving you money. If you can utilize it by investing in something uh productive in your business then then really good um, yeah but don 't get drawn into the fact that it's just a, it's a, it's a write off in the first year that you purchase those
1: assets. Okay, Uh, Mm -hmm. let's uh, talk a a bigger picture and something that Christians tend to be very concerned about is that uh, there is a foreign aid budget and we have watched now over successive budgets how foreign aid dollars have been uh, getting lower and lower and lower and uh, I know that there are Christian leaders who say, uh, is Australia being generous enough to the poor who are in surrounding nations. Any thoughts on the way that the foreign aid budget continues to go down? In fact, as I understand it, it's something like an 11% uh, projected fall over this coming budget. Uh, Your thoughts, Gavin?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm always concerned by that, and I know uh, leaders within the non-government sector are are particularly concerned by those sort of of changes. Ideally, I would love to see that being... um, uh, that's 11% increase being taken up by uh, a church and other charitable organisations increasing their um, initiatives overseas. But obviously that's not likely uh, to, to be the case. But that would be the ideal, that um, churches take up the slack and um, start to do it off their own bat rather than relying on uh, government initiatives or government spending. Uh, but it always is a concern. Um, I know Rod's not in previous years has communicated that he's not actually that concerned by it, saying that it should happen um, through, you know, church and other organisations as well. Um, But um, I'm I'm sure there are some disadvantaged people that will miss out uh, because of that reduction
1: and of course the idea of the budget being black, back in the black uh, enables you to much more freely be a little more generous uh, although we still have that huge national debt as we were talking about but when you have a budget back in the black then you might hope that there is some more leniency with the idea of giving foreign aid there's also a bit of a shift too isn't there away from Asia and to the Pacific and of course there might be some issues there around you know the uh, global uh, issues with China and such, but uh, but the focus too goes towards the Pacific, and I imagine that uh, you know that's that's probably a good thing.
2: Yeah, I think they, are uh, as I understand it, not being expert in the in the space, but uh, they're aligning their uh, interests uh, with their aid budgets as well. So rather than spending uh, that aid budget on the other side of the world, they're focusing on their immediate neighbours, so that it, it is actually. Um, I, I guess uh, you know supports uh, australia 's best interests as well. Uh, I know China spends a lot of money um, supporting island nations around the place and then ties them up with uh, with debt so uh, I think if Australia can uh, assist without Tying our neighbours up in a lot of debt, uh, I think that is a great thing.
1: And uh, we've only got you for another uh, couple of minutes or less. Uh, any other things that come to mind for you, Gavin? That uh, that you know you wanted to draw attention to today in our conversation?
2: Uh, no, I think the the key thing is uh, the significant, I guess, chasm in terms of choice around. Um, the, the coalition versus Labor, uh, it's a significant difference in in terms of personal financial. Um, uh, when I'm reviewing clients on a regular basis, the personal financial outcomes and the changes that are proposed are significantly worse under under uh, Labor than they are under the coalition. Now, everyone makes their own assessment, but I'm coming from that personal financial uh, viewpoint. So uh, that's definitely my assessment that most um, uh, most individuals, particularly. In uh, in the latter latter years of um, you know 50 plus uh, they'll be in the worst position I think uh, under a Labor government.
1: There's no doubt that Labor looks a little harsher, and uh, the government being able to deliver its budget last night. There will be a budget reply tomorrow night uh, from the leader of the opposition, Bill Shorten, and no doubt. Uh, there'll be some fine-tuning and some tweaking because you might imagine that Labor uh, can see that they look like the baddies at the moment. And uh, so there is a certain sense in which, uh, you know, a balanced approach to understanding these things has been so important. Great to get your insights, Gavin Martin, and uh, bringing that Christian and biblical foundation to a way that we look at a federal budget is an important element. Uh, We'll be talking about some big picture issues in the next half hour with Dr. Rod St. Hill. Uh, But Gavin Martin, thank you so much for uh, taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today. Let me point people to cornerstonewealth.com.au to have contact with Gavin Martin. Thanks for being with us, Gavin.
2: Thank you, Neil. Great to be with you.